0: Welcome to Sundial. I'm your host, Carlos Frias, and today we're throwing it back to a year ago when I was doing a different kind of show with the woman to my right. Welcome to La Ventanita, the Miami Herald food podcast. I'm the Miami Herald food editor, Carlos Frias, joined every week by my buddy over there, Amy Reyes.
1: Hello, Carlos.
0: Amy's the Miami Herald's arts and entertainment editor. She oversees all the features coverage there, from restaurants to arts and music, and we did a little food podcast every week. That makes her sound like a very important person, but Amy is one part journalist, one part comedian, and one of the smartest journalists I know. If I roast her during the show, it's only out of love. She's also a cult radio personality. Amy went down to the Dominican Republic one summer after college and ended up being one of the best-known radio and TV voices there. They called her La Americana. They sent her out like a correspondent, a Michigan fish-out-of-water learning the Dominican ways, from cave diving to learning how to make Dominican hooch, Mama Juana.
1: The
0: people loved it, and she loved it too. Today, she reps the Kingdom of Kendall with the same ferocity. We'll talk about the biggest art stories of the summer and what's ahead, the annual Miami Spice Dining event, which started this month, and the biggest upcoming music and entertainment events. It's an all banter show with my buddy over there, Amy Reyes. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi,
1: Carlos.
0: <laughs> so you you're you're dressed very nice, but I feel like you sh- did you ride your bike here? Shouldn't you no, ride your bike here?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't ride my bike here. It would have been a long voyage from Kendall.
0: Yeah, I I thought maybe you got inspired with uh, a hole sniff school. Oh my god, our, our, that our was that's guess. the
1: best story ever. I love the fact that and I love the fact that. Your producers and my arts writer, all of them had to get outside and sweat their nalgas off to go and follow this man around looking for looking for junk to turn into art. Amanda was texting me. She was like, I, I think my sweat has sweat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the folks who are just tuning in, like um, the, uh, this artist, uh, he goes by the name A-Hole Sniffs Glue. Yep. Uh, he rides around and he's he's been known for like 20 years for, for drawing these kind of like these these sleepy tired, eyes. sleepy eyes yeah. all over Miami, and now he's painting it on trash uh to like get people to pick up the trash off the you know this <laughs> discarded stuff and bring it to their homes. It's and genius cool.
1: because and he's got like a, a following of just like voracious fans who follow him on his Discord and on all of his social media, and like the minute he posts something, they're all just like, I know where that is. I know where that is.
0: Yeah, and I, I can just imagine. I know Amanda was onto that story. We were kind of talking about it at the same time, but I. I knew that you'd be into it when he showed up here and he was in full cycling regalia. Oh my god. Yeah, like, he's part of your cult now. Yeah,
1: he's part of my he's part of my people.
0: Yeah, you brought him in. Mhm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean that's, you know, that's part of what you guys still do great over the Herald is kind of stay on top of, you know, arch writing and and Amanda's um she's a she's a fellow, right? Like she's
1: She's a- she's um uh she's part of a um what's the word? Uh, foundation. She was uh, sponsored by the, uh, the the Jorge Perez Foundation. Right. And so, you know, it's been difficult because we had uh, the Miami Herald's been in different stages and influx yeah and so we had a, a period where we didn't really have anyone to cover the arts and so finally we were able to come up with a, a creative way to get someone yeah and so the the Pérez Foundation they sponsored her for for a fellowship for two years and she's been doing a great job
0: she's really she really has yeah and, and the Instagram is like she's on top of it too so if you check out the Herald and Miami.com's Instagram yeah she does a really good job at showing exhibits she's, that are going she's on around really
1: town. masterful at reels and the thing that I The thing that we really discovered was that um the the arts audience is very very much on (laughs) instagram oh big surprise there yeah visual medium they were into 100 percent yeah they (laughs) they really like reels and so like that's that's why we were really interested in having somebody come in who could do arts coverage in different um kind of innovative ways and so not even not even as much on tiktok it's the reels like you know like they they really they really do um get the audience there well and,
0: that's that's part of like is when you when you write about the arts at the Herald and, and you're you know you're overseeing arts and entertainment you're like how do we get this in front of people in the way that how are they consuming news right so right how, where do we put it so that they can find it and bring them into the funnel right exactly funnel into the... Uh,
1: the funnel yeah yeah you remember the funnel I do I
0: do remember <laughs> the funnel. um so we're we're also going to talk some food later but I think we're going to hold that off to what's closer to lunchtime so I don't get hungry like, uh-huh. right at the that top makes sense. Um, so I, I want to talk about music. Okay. Like you, uh, uh, Isaiah Smalls. He's, uh, he's my, your... my uh,
1: we uh, the race and culture writer. And he's been uh, doing a lot of coverage about um, the Hip Hop 50.
0: He loves music. He loves him he some music. He loves yeah. him some music. He
1: does. And so he got, he actually got a couple of the other um Writers from the newsroom—they collaborated together to make a top twenty-five list of like the best, um, the best hip-hop songs to come out of South Florida. Right. And it was a very interesting list to me because I didn't know half the songs, and the other half of the songs I knew, but some of them I didn't even know were from South Florida.
0: Yeah, like any list, it's going to be controversial, right? Of course. Who were the other writers that contributed to it? It
1: was Raisa Habersham, and she covers. She covers um, the northern, um, like Miami Gardens, Miami Gardens, Hialeah, North maybe? Miami, yeah, North Miami, yeah, and then um, Michael Butler.
0: And Michael Butler, yeah. 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 We he's, all a, he's in the business team. Right. So
1: it was a very diverse squad of of, of, of interests, but all interested in music. Right. So.
0: I, I will say, I'm going to take some... Umbridge? Some umbridge. You
1: have you have opinions? I,
0: I do have opinions, as, okay. as you would be... Uh, I'm sure you can expect that I had opinions about that list. Okay. Um, to me, the number one song on that list... Oh, okay, so the number one song on that list was i'm scrolling down to it now it
1: was nan right
0: it was nan trick and trina by trick and trina yes. which listen that is i mean a trick and trina song has to be on there a trick song for sure yeah, yeah. you know take it to the house yeah write. that's
1: on there too and so is um what's the other big trick song um it was take it to the house and you do know nan and there was a third one. He had he had a lot of representation on that list. All
0: right, take it to the house is the one that like Nan to me. It would, that's not to me. That's not the one that would stand out. But like take it to the house. I think is very recognizable. So like, uh, well, if you haven't heard it, here's here's a clip of take it to the house uh, by Trick Daddy. Let's see if we can remind folks. No, we don't have that. Okay, that's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, when oh, I looked at the list, when I'm I a thug, at...
1: that's the third one. I'm a thug. Th- that's a thug. that's a classic. Yes,
0: that is a classic. Yeah, yeah. When I looked at it, be- maybe because of the the era that I came up with, is um, for me it was "I Want to Rock" by Uncle Luke.
1: Okay, that should have been number one.
0: To me, that should have been number okay. one. Okay. And uh, for the folks who don't know the, the the kids of my generation from South Florida, we do have a clip of that. and We want to play a little bit of it. <laughs> Did you know that song growing up?
1: Uh, Yes, I did. The reason why I had access to that kind of, um, to to South Florida music in general Mm -hmm. was because in Detroit, Michigan, where I grew up, uh, we had this station called the Jukebox Station. It was on cable. So if you had a friend in the neighborhood who had cable. I remember this this station. Yeah. It was called the Jukebox, the Jukebox Channel. And so the Jukebox Channel was like, I guess it was trying to compete with MTV. And so like you could call up. Order a video and they would put you in a queue And eventually your video would get played And so, Is that how
0: it worked? I never did yeah, it, it I is. Always And they it would playing, I charge your it.
1: phone bill At the end of the month and then your parents would be like What the actual heck is this <laughs> Charge <laughs> So like that's how it would work Like in Detroit like I get to see I got to see like NWA I got to see um, All the music from down here I got to see like I got to see like Bone Dugs and Harmony, Like all the, the stuff that's not from New York And that wasn't being played on MTV Like the stuff that wasn't like on your MTV raps I got to see all those videos in Detroit because of the, the Jukebox channel. Um, and later on, like, it, this probably sounds so retro to anybody who's listening to me, but like it, it was literally like, our only access to music videos that weren't on MTV, because MTV only had like Yo MTV Raps back then, yeah. and that was like one hour every week. Right. so And they, they didn't have rap music videos in heavy rotation and so like i got access to all of that from from this one little rinky dink channel that i don't even know what happened to it i don't know where it came from i don't know where it went but like it was just a moment in time in right. the in the 80s where you could order Rap videos.
0: Yeah, like you grew up in a in a, in a a community and like you're just subject to whatever music Whatever's is there. Is there. Like yeah. I, I, when I left for college, it was like, oh, you mean everything is not booty music? Yeah. I was like, all
1: right, well. It's funny too because when I got to Miami and I saw how important freestyle music was, I was like, oh, I used to see that on... The, like cause they don't play freestyle on the radio in, in Detroit, but I would see the videos on the Jukebox channel. And I was just like, oh, what is this?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah and freestyle music is such a big part of, of Miami uh, music. Miami. And Miami's contribution to... Uh, to to hip hop music. Um, another one was to me, I was like, on that list, I was like, if there's no Poison Clan on this list, oh, yeah. I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. And then when I saw the Poison Clan song, I was like, this is the wrong song.
1: Well, you want to dance all night?
0: And as a matter of fact, not only did I want that, we have it.
1: We it. <laughs> so smooth and out of sight, get on the floor and dance all night. You know what I think the list points to, though? Miami really, really likes to dance. Yes. Like Miami really has dance culture. And like it's probably like Isaiah said in his um, in his more um, general story about Miami hip hop in general. Like he he talked he interviewed Trick. He interviewed Trina. He talked Mm -hmm. to he talked to as many of the uh, the local voices that 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 he could get his hands on. Um, And a lot of it pointed to the fact that Miami Miami likes to dance. Right. And and Miami rappers, they'll say whatever they want to say. And it's all kind of courtesy of of. Uncle Luke. Right. Uncle Luke basically opened the door for Miami rappers to say what they want, rap how they want, and make it make everybody feel comfortable about dancing
0: right it it very much um I think like you said I think Miami did a great uh Miami's great contribution was that was like adding the fun to it exactly right like it's too hot to be goth here yes yeah
1: nobody (laughs) nobody has this uh, this emotional angst you know (laughs) like we had
0: we gave the world Marilyn Manson and it was I think he was more like a Broward kid and it's like all right move on. you you can
1: have that but like Miami folks wanted to they wanted to move they wanted to have fun
0: and a lot of that it so when you looked at that list were there songs that jumped out at you like like as a detroit kid that that you thought it was like okay this is a this is a this is a song that i grew up with
1: well no the the songs that i was like you know i anything from two Life crew because two Life crew was on there like the number two um <laughs> be so horny obviously Yep. and the the song you were trying
0: to decide whether you could say that word i was right yeah. and
1: i'm trying to decide whether i can say this next song too the pitbull
0: song the song. i don't song. think so. we decided uh we're, we're gonna err on the side of, of, of keeping of, our of don't License. do it
1: well yeah. listen pitbull had this amazing song that it, it's probably like i would have put it closer to the top of the list just because that song to me was so iconic because um it's one of those times when you got away with saying a bad word in Spanish on the radio and you got away with it for so long that I think it kind of got like inducted into the like, we'll just let this one slide.
0: Right. Like it became okay to say that. It, it, say it, that it word was,
1: on... except for on NPR. Like you can't do that on NPR. Right. Because... It's,
0: it's, it's the more crass word for butt.
1: Exactly. Let's
0: call it that. And, and
1: it's it's a it's a banger. Yeah. Like that song is a banger. Like yeah. you can't, there's no arguing with it.
0: We did not pull that song because we did not want our Well, you could have played
1: to. the beginning part. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then once you got to the lyrics, you have Tiene
0: to. tremendo and then we have to And then you off. have to shut yeah. it off. We'll yeah. have to let leave it to your imagination what her what she has tremendo.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, I have noticed that in in Miami in in radio in general cuz I I do listen to the radio a lot in Miami. I have noticed that censorship in Miami on in Spanish um radio comes kind of posthumously
0: oh interesting yeah like what do you mean
1: i mean that like there's words that you hear in songs that um you you get them for a couple weeks and then somebody's like wait a minute in puerto rico that's a really bad word you guys need to censor that yes because there's words that i hear in bad bunny songs that i'm like how long are you gonna let that slide right and then eventually i'll be like okay so they like there, I'm not even gonna say the words, but like there's a a, a couple of words. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. no problem. There's a couple <laughs> of words that I hear in Spanish songs that I'm like, okay, at what point, at yeah. what point are they gonna be like, oh, we're gonna we're retroactively,
0: gonna uh, yeah, yeah. And and you have some some history with uh with Spanish radio that we're gonna get to uh, after a break here. But before we we do that, um, so like for me another song it's funny because I was reading through that list and then there's like one comment at the bottom and they're like. This list is not complete, or I was surprised to not see a song by La Trim, which are two women rappers from Coconut Grove. And they they Le Trim
1: is from Coconut Grove?
0: From Coconut Grove. And so Aren't they
1: the ones who sing the cars that go boom?
0: They are those we very ones. A yeah.
1: and the car went boom. <laughs> we like the cars. The, cars the cars they go, go boom. boom. We're and, Bunny and,
0: and we, we like, like the, the boom. boom.
1: So that was a song.
0: Was that a banger when you were That erected? was
1: a banger. Like that was the song that me and my best friend would like act out in the backyard and i did not know that how, this was a south florida song how did you all.
0: act out this song oh
1: i was tigra and she was bunny and you liked the <laughs> and boom and we liked the boom together yeah. right. like and and like if you remember that video like they were dressed in like these outfits it was basically like a leotard over, over amazing
0: outfits amazing we like uh, our our producers uh, elisa viana and helena Acevedo, were commenting that they you know their fit was was 100.
1: They were like, yeah, like they were wearing like the height of 80s fashion. Yes. Like, and they were very cute.
0: Like Madonna wraps.
1: Exactly. Was, was the fashion. And that was like when biker shorts were like fashion for just like people would just wear biker shorts. You oh, know what man. I'm saying? We, and then sometimes you would wear that? like a leotard over biker shorts and that would be an outfit. Like, yeah. All right. So we would be in the back in the backyard being Latrim. But honestly, I had no idea that that was from South Florida. And I agree with you on that one. That one. And you know something? After listening to your seminal interview with DJ Laz. I have to say <laughs> that I think that a couple of his songs should have been on that list.
0: You know what? I agree with you. I think a couple of his songs definitely should have been on that list. Um uh like uh, well, specifically I mean, El Negro. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did he did a, a mashup of that song. He took the original from Wilfredo Vargas uh-huh. and and then added like kind of Miami-based sounds to yeah. it. Yeah.
1: That song is uh, I knew that song from Detroit. When oh, I got to funny. the Dominican Republic, I didn't know that the, the, the chorus of that part was a sample. I thought that that was just... He uh, had
0: invented that.
1: that. That DJ Laz had invented that. Whoa. So then when I got there, I actually met the man who did the, the original song, Wilfried El Vargas, while I was working there. And nobody, like, I, I, I was just aghast. I was like, what? You mean that's his, that's his song? And I was like, I thought it was a rap song.
0: Our guest today is Amy Reyes. She's the arts and entertainment editor at the Miami Herald, and she's my buddy. Uh, she also just learned how to use the headphone Thank control you. knob over there. So now I was
1: like, I can only hear myself. I
0: hear your muffled voice <laughs> in the studio.
1: I'm hearing you across the room, but not in my headphones.
0: Well, we fixed it, so now we're good. Um, so you you were talking to me about we were talking about all this you know music that in that infiltrates kind of culture and so you grew up i mean you you went to the Dominican Republic where you were exposed to this Wilfredo Vargas song uh-huh. that you had first heard
1: in in Detroit from the jukebox channel, um, and I thought that I thought that it was just kind of like a Spanglish rap song. So
0: you they, know, d- tell me about growing up in Detroit. Did you grow up in the heart of Detroit?
1: I grew up. Detroit is a city of of, of people who live in houses, so it's not like Detroit didn't really have a like a
0: high t- like high uh, rise uh, culture that kind of thing. No,
1: it had a it has. It's Detroit is a very much American dream type of city. Like everybody wants to own a home. Like you want to own a house. Interesting. Um, and so my parents grew up in the northwest side of the city in a. Um, it's called the university district okay and so they moved into their neighborhood we moved into our neighborhood at like at the peak of white flight oh, like at I, the height of it
0: you've told me this a lot of folks yeah. were leaving and everybody was leaving in. and
1: so my parents got a steal on this uh beautiful house and so as like a victorian result
0: victorian style dude, right dude it
1: was gorgeous like i could never afford to live in a house like the one i grew up in in detroit and it was just because of the moment that i grew up in detroit it was uh all, everybody was leaving the houses were all, the, the market was crashing. Everybody was just bailing on the city. And so my parents grabbed this house. It was like a three-story Tudor with a like a maid's quarter upstairs and like this, you know, carriage and house in the back. And it was just beautiful. And it was so expensive for them to keep it up. And like it, we were always drowning under like Crap! We gotta fix the, you know, we gotta fix the plaster moldings and the, you know, <laughs> like you couldn't, you couldn't just like go to Home Depot and get some new crown mold. You, you needed to get like an artisan to fix this stuff, right? So.
0: Who would fix each piece by a hand, each like, little? It was just crevice. a mess.
1: It was my mom was always so stressed out about that house, but. It's, I, I think it
0: said something about your parents, though, that, uh, like, frankly, the white people are fleeing Detroit and your folks are oh, like... Oh, my parents were like, staying
1: on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, they were staying on purpose. What and do you so, mean, on purpose? Like, my parents were like, oh, we're not moving to the suburbs. They, yeah. were, they were, like, very determined to be part of of the people that stayed and the people that contributed and the people that made Detroit... That kept trying to make Detroit great. And they Yeah, were, like,
0: your, da- your dad was, like, a... Was he not a civil rights attorney, but he... He was a labor attorney. He was a labor attorney. Yeah. So, so. really big into, like, the idea of of... Of keeping equality and kind yeah. of like uh, like that idea of racial integration, like it was that he probably grew up during he, that period of
1: yeah. He was my parents were were very I would say like I missed the wave of their their activist lifestyle because mm. I was my my older siblings got that wave in the seventies. I was born in the late seventies, so by the time I was born, my parents were just kind of settling into their life in Detroit, and they were just they were older and and it was the eighties and things were kind of just starting to to kind of just simmer down in in the city everybody Mm. was just kind of finding their place um and so they but they had a very um they were very determined to not move to the suburbs to stay in the city and to be a part of like whatever was going to make Detroit a a, a wonderful city they wanted to raise their kids in it and have us be part of it and so as a result I grew up around a lot of um my neighborhood was mainly middle and upper middle class black people Mm -hmm. and so I just it was like I didn't have black friends. I had black neighbors. I had black doctors. I had black teachers. It was every, like, I was the white person, you know, in in my neighborhood. So it was, it was a unique experience and it was, it was a positive experience. And, and when I go back to Detroit, I feel like, I feel along, like, I I probably feel the same way about Detroit that you feel about Miami, Yeah, you know, like it's a real connection. It's my place, you know, but then like, I've been there. But when you get,
0: but when you get to Miami, like that, it must really strike you about that, that, that kind of, uh that that not racial discord but the kind of the, the how Miami is very segregated in all the different it's it all It took me a while to you know? figure
1: Miami out yeah. like cuz I was you know cuz it, it's Miami's way more complicated mm-hmm. Miami's way more complicated than Detroit was Detroit the issues were particularly black and particularly white you know yeah, and, and so here Miami, we have
0: nationalities and mm-hmm. colorism and and language and yeah. everything else
1: Yeah it's it Miami's just much more complicated and you got to be you got to be twice as it's sensitive and you have to, you have to, you have to pay attention. Basically, well,
0: I know that that's helped you uh, in this job, and so has like the speaking Spanish. Yeah, like as we heard at the top, like that wasn't like some very rehearsed bit. Like your Spanish is really good.
1: Well, it wasn't in the beginning when I when I first moved to the Dominican Republic and I started working on that radio show. My job was kind of to just speak Spanish the way I spoke Spanish because they liked that. They, they liked it. That it had they that liked that, it. Yeah, pero
0: yo hablo español exactly. a little bit. Right.
1: It was. It was kind of part of the job and. Um, how did you
0: learn like did you take it through college? Is that yeah, yeah, when I was in
1: I went to the University of Michigan and it was like all four years I took Spanish. But then you land in the Dominican Republic, and I literally spent six months crying because oh. I couldn't understand anybody. you, you could it, speak it, but you weren't I used could to not it. understand it. And, and you know the funny thing is is that like you're you're ready to speak Spanish with people um the way that you learned in school, but the words and the phrases that they give back to you, you're just like, I can't even parse it. Yeah,
0: because you learn, you learn like the standard, uh, Castilian Spanish yeah, maybe, yeah. but like that's not how anybody in the Caribbean speaks, and exactly. it's also regional. What What was it that, that took you down there? You were just like on vacation or No, what? my
1: sister was a Latin American and Caribbean studies major at the University of Michigan, and so she moved to the DR because she had a job there. And so she was there oh. for like two years before I even got there. So she was like, "Come down and party." Yeah, she was come out. down and learn some Spanish. It'll be great. And I was like, you know, I was an English lit major, so I was like, I had no plans. <laughs> 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 I had no plans.
0: <laughs> Looking at at Elisa, who's an English uh, lit major, and well, she got very she much has having plans. plans. She, she, has has plans. Plan. she has a job. Look she at has her. a job. Look at her, very no, gainfully employed.
1: A hundred percent. No, like I was just like, I'll go down to the DR, learn some Spanish, uh, teach some English classes, and then. You know, see where my life takes me. And so I ended up teaching at an institute, uh, a language institute, and one of my students was actually the person who introduced me to the the, the, um, radio host that I ended up working for.
0: Interesting. And his name is? His name
1: is Hochi Santos.
0: Hochi Santos. And you guys were together on a show called uh, Radio Rumba.
1: It was on Rumba FM, and it was called uh, Botando el Golpe. Which means? I guess it means like letting off steam.
0: Letting off steam. Because it was
1: the drive time uh, radio show, and, like, you got to understand that drive time in the Dominican Republic at that period, I don't know how it is now, but it was awful.
0: Like, if you were in traffic, you were in traffic for a long time?
1: 100%. Like, if you were in your car from 5pm to 8pm when the show was on the radio... You probably heard everything I said because you were in your car from like the, you're, for the totality of of, of the show because it was that bad. Like it was one of those things where like the power would go out and the the street lights would go off and people would just be stuck at corners, like at major intersections, trying wow. to figure out who can go next. You know, right? And so the radio show was basically just a bunch of people, Chi leading a discussion about whatever topic of the day, and then I would come in and I actually would come with a dictionary. And I, <laughs> oh, you're
0: so funny, and it was like three hours, three hours every day drive time radio. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So people really were like stuck in traffic yeah. for hours or an hour, like listening to this voice. So he must have he must have been really prescient and saying like this lady would be very funny.
1: Well, I think he had. a water. I thing. think he had, um, like, I think he had. Um, what's the word? He had evidence that Mm. people were interested in me because when I was there, people would call in.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So you guys were taking calls. Yeah, it was was one of those
1: things where they would put out a topic and then he would take a ton of calls. And so the first time I went to the show, I had gone and I just told this one story about how I was sitting in a carro publico, which is like the Dominican uh, public transportation at that time i'm not sure if the carro publicos i think they are still a thing but like it
0: feels like a jitney like a jitney bus that we had here
1: it, it's way worse it's oh. like a um a 1970s toyota with like two people in the front seat and four people in the back seat. Sounds and it just super goes safe. It was great. Yeah. It would you just go up and down like the 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 major thoroughfares and then you'd switch to go to the next one. And um one day we were stopped for like a long time and I was like, what's going on up there? And then it turns out that there was like a protest where they were like burning tires and stuff. And everybody in the car was like not scared at all. And I was like, well what's what's happening? They're like, oh hay una huelga in la universidad there was like a protest at the university And I was just like looking up forward and I had my purse on my side, like right there. And then when I got home, I realized that my wallet was gone and so
0: oh surprise
1: so yeah so my wallet had gotten I got pickpocketed while I was being nosy in a <laughs> <laughs> in a caro público
0: and people really enjoyed that story and
1: people actually were more worried than anything they they started calling and just giving me advice like Americana don't do this Americana you have to keep your purse on your lap like what are you doing <laughs> like I was basically like everybody just called in to try and give me their, their, their advice on how to survive the Dominican Republic and they were also like what are you doing in a caro público and I was like well I'm a bro College kid, you know, I'm a college to grad get around here. I'm getting I got, around. I got
0: five books in my pocket.
1: Exactly, and so that 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 was the first um visit, and I think he saw. He was like, "Well, people are interested in talking to her," and so I would just come back every time. I would come back. I would have some kind of an anecdote about like some adventure I had. Like one time,
0: we should say by the way that like it became so popular that the AP wrote a story about it Yeah, you. and uh, and the show was called The Mashup. In, in, written in Spanish was a mashup between Seinfeld and Howard Stern. <laughs>
1: <sounds like laughs> well it's in the true, because it had we had like characters on the on the show. We mm-hmm. had we had Doña Chicha who was like this older lady who would come in and she had this really this really thick um Cibaina accent and that they talk with the um they hablan con la I. So it's like they they have a very specific um Depending
0: on what part of the island you are filming you Yeah, yeah, they had a very accent.
1: specific accent and then there was like people that call in that were like Kachahra uh, and then there was this one Fidi light, there was the gay guy and then there was like you know, it was all very very mashup uh comic like uh, morning morning, morning yes, zoo type of thing. It was a morning zoo type of thing exactly. And so I was just the gringo who didn't know anything and um people I would I would literally be like okay so listen I went to a concert and I ate some I ate a I ate some chicharrones and I got really sick to my stomach and because then every, you
0: suffer from the condition that we have dubbed WGS
1: yes I have the the WGS I have a very sensitive stomach and this you, is
0: the white girl stomach yes the, the white girl welcome to, <laughs> welcome to La Ventanita this yeah, exactly was the, this, this was, the was the show the, this back was then. a common
1: common thread in our in our podcast was Amy's Amy's reaction to just normal food that everybody else can eat. Um, but no, and I, I went one day and I told them I went to a Juan Luis Guerra concert. I ate some chicharrones that they were selling, and I got real sick to my stomach. And everybody was calling me with their little receta casera for like a Home uh, remedies. Yeah, they were calling me with their with their ideas on how I can survive it. And it was it was just really cute. And everybody was very sweet to me, and they were all very kind and very concerned about my well being, which was which was cute. It was it was it was the best time. I had a great time while I was there.
0: And do you think that having that context of like being so immersed in Caribbean culture and Latin culture, how did that affect you think when you came to Miami then and we're making a life and a home here?
1: Well, I actually like I knew I wasn't going to be able to stay in the DR for too long because I, I knew it was kind of going to be like a window in my life what? where I'll, I'll be here for a certain period, but I'm not going to stay forever. Um, and then when I met who I would later marry, my husband. Um,
0: Your husband is Tony. Don- Tony
1: Andrades, yeah. He he works for Premetro Impacto. On, he's on Univision. On he Univision, can, he
0: can't walk around the Dominican without getting swamped. As no, well. he's, I can imagine you two, La Americana, and and, and, and Tony. Forget about it. Yeah, well, he. The thousands were a crazy time. I would. He's imagine.
1: one of their national. He's one of their national prides. You know, <laughs> he's like a national pride. That he just got back from the Dominican um, parade in New York, where he was. You know. He was doing his thing. He, was, little, waving he was waving from the car. He was waving from the car. It was right. it was very sweet. Um so, But no, when I got to Miami, I was like, Oh, I can do this. You know, I was like, I totally get this place. And
0: especially when you're when you're in a job now with like the entire time I've known you and the time you've been working at the Heralds it's all been about arts and culture, so it really gives mm-hmm. you an understanding for music and language and culture, nationality, race. Like you got, like yeah. a, you got a real primer.
1: Ran the gum the gamut. Yeah I, I i felt very I felt very at home at Miami after all of the experiences that I had had. The only thing that did happen when I first moved to Miami is I had to I had to figure out what kind of Spanish I was speaking because when mm. I was in the Dominican Republic, I learned when to use certain phrases that they use, but I didn't learn. I didn't know that that was slang.
0: Right, You know that, what I'm that saying? no one from another, that someone from another country would not understand exactly.
1: what you're Exactly, so when I came to Miami, I had to kind of relearn how to speak Spanish to like a more general audience because Dominican Spanish is real specific. And then I would say things and people would look at me like I was crazy and I'd be like, Tony, why don't they get me? And he's like, Amy. You don't understand like you can't say those things like unless you're with Dominicans like you have to you have to speak more general Spanish. And- G-
0: give me an example. Oh, cuz it's funny cuz cuz Tony is born in Dominican obviously. Yeah. But but because he's on Univision he has to really I guess like uh hone his Spanish to something more uh universal. Yes. But yeah. What were some of, like the phrases that you that you would just use without thinking?
1: Oh my gosh, well I the one thing I did that mortified my husband was one time I went to somebody and I was like, "Oh, that's bomba." You know, like Dominicans at that time everybody was calling things bomba. Like, it's great. And then there's a hand gesture that would go with it. And I would be like, bomba. It's like, you guys can't see my hand, but I'm just like punching it out. and like
0: punching. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Punching it out. And like, my husband was like, you have to not do that. Because I thought it was really cute. And he was like, no. And
0: and that was, that had a context.
1: Yes, it did. And he was like, no, I don't like that. We're not doing that. Oh, that's so
0: funny. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, and then what were some of the ones that like, like, how did that, having that experience when you landed here, how did that help you understand you know, even even like bringing in different like musical interests and like the things that you want that you were thinking like we should cover at the Miami Herald that you should cover like.
1: Well, I think that it it gave me an uh, an appreciation for um, for Caribbean music. It gave me an appreciation for um, how important Caribbean music was, and I think that it, it's it's one of those things that kind of it kind of gets underplayed mm-hmm. because we're in a place where like you know in the united states we're we're more inclined to focus on you know english language music and stuff like that and i, I think as i started to do the job the, the 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 spanish language music became more and more important anyway because right. i remember like when when shakira and j finally did the super bowl halftime show I had already had ready a story about explaining who Bad Bunny and (laughs) J Balvin were. (laughs) I was like, I know, I know that this, the internet is going to eat this story up because they're going to
0: need this information. This was
1: like 2020, like right when, when, you know, I knew who they were. You knew who they were, mm-hmm. but like up in Michigan, they probably didn't know who they were. So I was like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to break the internet with this. Who is bad, Bunny? who just performed with J. Lo and you know what I'm saying? And did so, it break the internet? It did. Yeah, it did. It was one of those things where I was, uh, I was ahead of the curve just because I was like, people don't know this. And, and then I had asked Maddie to write it. Maddie is my entertainment. Um, She's like my celebrity entertainment. Maddie um, Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had asked her to write it. Um, I was like, have it ready, Maddie. And then so she handed it to me, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, but you forgot. <laughs> but you forgot this about Jay Balvin. And wait a minute, like, Bad Bunny did these songs, too. Like I was, She was like, well, why don't you just write it? Because like, you already know all about them.
0: So you end up writing I pretty
1: up. much wrote it, but like she, she started it.
0: Our guest today is former radio star Amy Ray, as Hello. you heard her talking over the, the rejoin. Uh, she's the arts and entertainment editor at the Miami Herald and a resident of the kingdom of Kendall, Kendale. Kendale. You know, why? Like, I know you live in Kendall, but you, you go, you go so hard for the. I
1: I do go so hard for it. You know something? I think I, I've been reflecting on my my um my need to go so hard for Kendall, and I think the reason why I go so so hard for Kendall is because I'm accustomed to being from places that other people like to make fun of. because oh, like when you. I was in Detroit, when I was growing up in Detroit in like the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. um, people hated Detroit so much. That like it, it was like almost like a banner of pride to be from there because we we're like, well, I don't need you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like we we that's why like even Eminem's um, movie, Eight Mile Road, it's about the border. Like Eight Mile is the, where Detroit stops. Oh,
0: interesting. You okay. know,
1: like and so we even had a mural that was painted in the city of Detroit that like literally said, say nice things about Detroit. <laughs> and so now almost as
0: like a reminder, and just
1: don't stop dumping on Detroit, you know? And so then it wasn't until I realized that people say bad things about Kendall, like it's, you know, some suburban wasteland, that I was like, "You know what? I live in Kendall, yeah. and Kendall is amazing. And everything I court. do there is <laughs> is amazing. I have a roller skating rink, I have an ice skating rink, I have an arcade, I have a an place arcade where that I, serves beer. An arcade that serves beer. That's right. I have all the best barbecue spots in the city of Miami are in Kendall. Yes, Smoke and Dough. That's smoke nice. and Dough and there's this place called Apocalypse you yes. Know, oh,
0: a, did they open there? Yeah, Apocalypse they're, they're open.
1: They're in Kendali.
0: And so is, uh, what is it? Is it Vice City Pizza?
1: Yeah, Vice City Pizza's out there.
0: Yeah, they do square pies and they do a really good job. Yeah, uh, no, I'm telling spot. you. Have, is well, a culinary... Where people it's people live, right? It's
1: a culinary destination, obviously.
0: Right. And for I, normals. And I think that's like a good opportunity to talk about like food. Yeah. Right? I mean, you you edit uh, Connie Ogle, who's our colleague, and uh, who's the new food editor there? And yes, please
1: know she is the person who has taken over your job when you... Abandon me.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> I think it's funny that Connie originally was like, I, I only eat certain meats. I only fish and some chicken. And now mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you I'm, have to try this. I'm going
1: to eat this pork this. belly. <laughs> and
0: and she's like, oh, I couldn't get enough of this barbecue or whatever. And it's like yep. she's, she's fully on board. So she, you guys have spent like the last month kind of eating your way through Miami-Dade County for Miami Spice, which yes. is like... Like, describe Miami Spice.
1: So Miami Spice is the um, the annual promotion that's hosted by the the Greater Miami and the beaches, uh, the, the tourism board, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because it, basically it's like so... Uh, there's there's not a lot of folks in town. Maybe it's folks to are eating and, and at restaurants. It's trying
1: to encourage the locals to 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 try the local restaurants, uh, and it it offers deals on lunch and deals on dinner right, like at a reduced price. Or yeah, at a reduced price. Like yeah. normally they're thirty to thirty five dollars for lunch, and then like forty five or sixty bucks for dinner. And it's really a good opportunity for you to go and try a, a restaurant that might be something that you thought was out of your price range, mm-hmm. or like you know to have your big night out. And so, because Connie is a single lady, she needs friends to go eat with her. So help I help me be, eat all this food. <laughs> she she'll text me. And she'll be like, "Help me come! Me, come help me eat this food." And so I'm like, I, I've taken on the role of her, her number one lambona. Okay, I'm her number one. The,
0: the lambona's lambona. The lambona. A, that's a great uh, uh, Dominican word. too. It is
1: a great Dominican word. Right. It's basically I'm like her little her little suck up. Yeah, her just, little
0: <laughs> little free food. Uh, uh, free food host. She so. needs
1: my feedback. I, I consider my my feedback invaluable to her dining experience. As do we? So so
0: like okay. So what are some places that that you went that you really liked?
1: Well, my my tried and true for um, for Miami spice are always Biblos. Biblos is great.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Biblos is uh, kind of like a is it Mediterranean? Mediterranean.
1: It's on the beach. If you're okay. ever going to dine on the beach, Biblos is like you can't fail. They'll give you a a really good amount of food. And it'll be an enjoyable experience, right? And, and that's
0: and that's the big thing with Miami Spice is like sometimes in that pr- fixed price menu, it's like three dishes, and yeah. sometimes they can you can skimp. finish. Yeah, yeah they sometimes can they can skimp, and sometimes but they don't
1: skimp. So no, no, Biblos never skimps, and and like if you go get the beet salad with the labneh, it's so good, and like they have this Middle Eastern fried chicken that's just it's it's legit. Like you can't you can't fail with Biblos. I always always enjoy my myself there. And then um, Connie made me go with her. She forced me to go to DoYa and oh, Wynwood. Yeah. Oh, we went to that together. Yeah. Did you go more than once? No, I went with her. But like all the stuff that we tried is on the Miami Spice venue, and that I found I found DoYa to be legit.
0: Yeah, like, they, they have they have lots of options. They have you can eat, you know, they have lamb, but you can eat totally vegan if you want. Yes. Right. Like they have almost everything in between.
1: Totally. And I also I encourage people to try the Niven Patel restaurants. Those two, Mame and Orno. Those are legit. Like, if you go, if you're gonna, if you're gonna try anything, and I, I might be biased because he has a restaurant in Kendall, which is ghee, but like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's Indian restaurant, right? Right? Yeah. Anything in Kendall that's at all I'm that, that we moves have, to the top of the list.
1: It's, I'm telling you, Kendall is a culinary destination, and Niven Patel, he put his first restaurant there, his first fancy restaurant, and you know, because he knew what. a...
0: Past Sundal guest.
1: Exactly. Niven Patel.
0: And you know what we love about him? He shows up with gifts. He shows up with like a, a bag of goodies. He had like oh, fresh from veggies. His farm? Yeah, where's your bag of gifts?
1: Uh, my presents. Oh boy. <laughs>
0: oh boy. So how's your how did your WGS hold up during uh, this I don't uh, know month of eating?
1: I have to say, Carlos, I think that the fact that I stopped swimming in open water yeah. has assisted in my the, the
0: <laughs> Well part of part of like doing a lot of the eating out was like how do I how do I keep fitting into my pants, right? And like, and like you do a lot of triathlon stuff, right?
1: Well, I used to be a triathlete and 2021 was my big season of triathlon. But then I started to notice that uh, like the more I swam, the Mm. more I, had stomach issues
0: yeah because you were swimming in those areas that later we would find out oh that well, that was a red alert your ston- friend
1: your friend from the Miami Waterkeeper whose episode I heard a
0: uh, past Sunday guest, the, the head of Miami Waterkeeper yeah
1: indeed I, I started paying attention to like when my stomach would hurt and when the waters <laughs> would be dirty <laughs> and I realized that I should probably just kind of change my habits there was and a so, correlation yeah 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 so I just kind of stopped all that and my stomach has improved greatly right I'm actually I think I, I think I'm over the, the, the hill right like, I've turned the corner on WGS,
0: you went. You went. So you you focused in on pure cycling culture. Yeah,
1: just cycling.
0: Which is kind of like what brought you to a hole with a hole sniffs glue. Exactly. We were talking about uh, yeah. No, beginning.
1: I I I have a really like I have a nice group of people that I cycle with. Sometimes I cycle with the people from Mech Cycle, and I have a coach that I ride with on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. And I it's Miami. It's like paradise. This is a great place for cycling. For there's no reason why Miami shouldn't be like the number one cycling. Town in the country.
0: Other than it's six thousand degrees. Well, uh, now it is, summer, but right. in the
1: winter it's excellent. Right.
0: Well, you know our, our guest that we were talking about earlier, uh, David Anasagasti is yes. his real name, um, and and he he was he was saying that he, that kind of credited really turning around his life. Like he was not really living very healthfully. He was he he talked about it on on that episode that he was kind of abusing. Uh, prescription drugs and 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 whatnot but he was like getting on the bike like as part of like a if they're like a promotion be addicted
1: to something be addicted to, to something cycling. healthy yeah, yeah. and be now addicted he's to mixing that with
0: with uh with with, uh, with the with the creation of art because he rides around and he and he paints on different art
1: yeah no i i think that's amazing and i I'm, i salute him and i i totally understand him i understand the the i understand that healthy addiction it's it's something that like your your mind your brain craves the adrenaline from cycling and then your body craves the sweat You know, like you just you just want to get a good sweat in. And so, like, if I don't ride, if I don't ride for like a week, I feel like something's something. Something's something's off. Yeah. Yeah. Something's off.
0: Yeah. Talk to me. Let's talk about kind of what's coming up, uh, because like we have we have a big obviously we have a huge art scene, you know, with um, the Art Basel coming in the winter and Mm -hmm. and, uh, Miami Art Week and everything else. Uh, talk to me about some of the art things that you guys are working on. That- well,
1: actually, right now, um, Amanda's working on her Season of the Arts preview story, which will come out in uh, at the end of September. And so that is like our big art section where we do a preview for the um, upcoming season. Mm, okay. um, and so we do a preview for, for dance, a preview for um, for theater, a preview for... for uh, for all the different disciplines, for visual arts, everything. And then she does a big walk-up story. And I think this year, I think she's going to focus on the fact that a lot of people who have uh, been in, in long-time positions in mm-hmm. Miami's arts uh, organizations have, have retired.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Alberto Barguin, who was the head of the, the, uh, Knight, the Knight Foundation, mm-hmm. specifically about bringing so many arts to Miami. And then there was another gentleman. Uh, Dennis
1: Scholl, he retired. Dennis
0: Scholl, who was the head of Ula Arts. And then
1: the um, Michael Spring, who was in charge of the... Um, the, the uh, Miami-Dade County's uh, yeah.
0: cultural uh, cultural affairs cultural affairs yeah,
1: and then within the smaller arts organizations, also there's been kind of a little bit of changing of the guards too. So I think we're going to talk about she's going to talk about like what um what they pre- predict the the future is going to look like now that they're you know because Miami is a young city and this is kind of the first changing of the guard. For,
0: oh, that's interesting, right? Because all those all those folks are are obviously. Retiring because they're, they're they're a little older, so it's like who is next? Like right. who is the person that has been that has learned? And where are they going
1: to take it? You know, where right. where are they going to take it? So it's going to be interesting. And and she's working on that. And then obviously we're going to have our previews for all of the different disciplines. We're going to have the calendars for all the different disciplines, and that'll come out on um, September 24th. It's it's our annual our annual big deal. Our annual big preview for the season so you can know what's coming and you can know what every everybody's schedule is and so you know cuz the summer is pretty much usually pretty quiet time it's a time where everybody's you know taking vacations but the season starts it starts in full swing, like in late September, so
0: right, right, and that's and, and that's also kind of like a time to pay attention to like different concerts that come through, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I know that uh, you guys had written recently about like Taylor Swift tickets, like that was was oh my was, god, that was everything, Carlos, right? Howard was Cohen like, was doing all the. We
1: literally swarmed that Taylor Swift. <laughs> all
0: right, explain the swarm. <laughs>
1: okay, the swarm is like you
0: assign everybody in the newsroom to write about this one topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the swarm is exactly when there's a big news story. Uh, well, you know, you got to come up with the story, and then you got to come up with all the sidebars, and like right. that's what we call a swarm. Where right, we, like kind
0: of looking at different, different, different aspects angles of the, of the one story. Event. Right.
1: So we had the swarm. Taylor Swift is coming to Miami, and here's how you can get tickets, and here's how you don't get scammed, and here's what it means for you, and here's here's the previous interview we did with Taylor Swift when she was here in 2019, and like everybody was like all hands were on deck. Howard Cohen, who is like a huge Taylor Swiftie, like I, I didn't even know all these people are Swifties, and I did not know they this. came out of the woodwork. They came right? out of the the would work. They're all volunteering. They're like, oh uh, I could do it. I could do it. Like you've never seen people volunteer for a swarm. The way people volunteered to swarm. The fact that Taylor Swift was just coming. It's not that she was here. It's not that, like, you know, nothing nothing like that. And so, like, he had to do a real hard dive into how you can get tickets. And it's the same thing as, it was the same thing as with the Beyonce concert. Like, you basically have to put, you know, sign up to to be a verified fan, and then Mm -hmm. you would get a lottery number, and then you would get put in a wait list, and then hopefully if you got texted on, like, the, the whole process.
0: Yeah, but. and that's all behind us now. Now everybody's just going to be paying paying resale whenever that yeah, happens next year.
1: Exactly. I was going to go see Beyoncé um in New Orleans cuz we have a friend that got tickets and um but then the tickets that she got were like $700. And oh. <laughs>
0: We could do so many things with that stuff. I was just like,
1: you know something? I really, I spent a lot of money to go see Hamilton, mm-hmm. but I didn't spend $700. So yeah. I was like, you know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I'm, I'm not. That's I'm, like
0: the whole family going to go see. Right. Right.
1: Like I was like, I'm Kendall Rich. I'm not like Brickle Rich. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that because then I got to get there too, you know? I was like, if this was like, it, it, I, I just had, I was like, you know what? And it's not even a problem because she bought the tickets. She can totally resell them and just like, Make a whole bunch, a whole bunch of money. Yeah,
0: yeah. You mentioned Hamilton. You're, you're a big. You're also tuning. Like you love musicals and you love the stage as yeah. well. Yeah. Right? I mean, not musicals as much as the stage in general. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. No. I, are there shows
0: coming that you're in, that you're excited about uh, coming up anytime well, soon? Well,
1: Hamilton's coming next year. Yeah. That, that's that's the one that I will always go see. I, I'll always go see Hamilton, and I always go see Book of Mormon. Oh my God! Yeah, two,
0: yeah, fantastic! Yeah, Book of Mormon. I want to say I saw in Broward. I want to say at the at the. Uh, I've seen Book of Broward Mormon Center?
1: every time it's been here. Like I just I love that musical. I think like now in retrospect, I think I love it more than Hamilton because I've seen Hamilton and you know how Hamilton. I, I think I just like comedies. So like. I've seen Hamilton a couple of times, but I could watch Book of Mormon over and over and over again.
0: Do you think does Hamilton hold up? Is it? Gonna, oh yeah, is for it gonna sure. Because I haven't seen it in a few years, so I'm wondering if it's held up.
1: It's like when you when you walk away from Hamilton for a while and you come back to it, you're like, oh yeah, it's it's that It's, it's kind of like that whole list of hip hop songs that we went through. Like, you're like, oh yeah, I remember, I like that song. You know, yeah. That, Hamilton holds up for sure.
0: Yeah, I, all all the millennials are are not into Limino Miranda, which I don't get. And I don't they, get that. Yeah, I don't can, understand it. Yeah, they gotta they gotta learn some lessons because uh is there so is um is there something else that you're inter- that you're excited about coming down to to Miami as far as uh being on the stage or music or is or arts is there one thing that you're like I I really want to see I really want to see this I want I want to experience this thing
1: um honestly like the the calendars haven't all been finalized we're still waiting mm-hmm. to see like what everybody's calendar is gonna look like so I'll, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks but it's gonna be a good art season I think that like most of the groups have recovered from from the, the pandemic, and so they're they're ready to give their best and they're ready to do to do their best work. So I think, I think it's going to be a good art season and I think attendance is going to be better. And I think things are going to be marching in the right direction. So, because this
0: is really, I mean, it's it's taken a, a while to kind of recover from yeah. the the that that big COVID where everything fell out of the bottom, and now yeah. folks are just getting back into. Yeah, uh, I think
1: the funding is getting back in place, and 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 the attendance is is going to recover. I think that was the real issue: is like getting people back in theaters. It's the same thing with like just movies in general, you know. And this summer they they um they had the uh, the popcorn frights. Uh, film festival like oh, right. they, they always do that little horror festival and the, the organizer told us that like he was really optimistic like he he had high hopes for it and that he was selling tickets and that things were looking better so like I hope that's kind of like a a, a sign of things to come that everything's gonna everything's gonna fall into place and everything's gonna be you know strong going right. forward I mean it's Miami and, and Miami people like to be out and about we like to do stuff so
0: well maybe maybe it's time to write a listicle about how people should behave like when they go out into <laughs> spaces again now you're used to going out uh, Amy, it has been so great to talk with you about the arts, but also about uh, nerding out and catching up on our Ventanita days.
1: Yay! It was so fun to be here, and I'm super impressed with your new home. It's so much cooler than your green bedspread with, <laughs> with your camera. Exactly. With that little microphone that used to hang from the side to make it look more picturesque.
0: Yeah, we're doing it very professional.
1: Yeah, very professional. <laughs>
0: Our guest today is Amy Reyes. She's the arts and entertainment editor at the Miami Herald, and she's my buddy. Thanks again for coming in, Amy. No problem. And that's Sundown for Monday, August 14th. Leslie O.I. Adkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helena Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at GoPalo.com. Coming up tomorrow on the program, can Miami artists afford to stay local? Alex Baina is trying to find solutions to the housing affordability crisis as the director of public housing and community development for Miami-Dade. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only.